Hey everyone, my name is Jake, and welcome to The Other Side of the Table. Listen in to hear a different side speak. Today we're going to be talking about um, socialism primarily in healthcare and kind of the pros and cons. Um, Today we got my good friend Charlie. Um, If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit and giving your position on socialized healthcare. Yeah, um, my name is Charlie Hamblin. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, I just got back from a mission in Japan. I'm a sophomore at BYU studying mechanical engineering. And my position on socialized healthcare and healthcare reform is that it's a good thing and we need it. Um, just to put it simply. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, that's a good way to put it simply. So why do you feel like it is better than the system that we have now? I feel like it comes down to the motivations for the systems, right? Um, the system we have now, particularly with producing drugs or healthcare in general, is to make a profit, right? Like that's the way capitalism runs things. And that's great for a lot of things, right? Cars, industry, TV, like stuff that isn't essential to life. That's great. I think that it works really well to produce good results and um, keep an economy afloat. That being said, I feel like the motivation to make money should not play as big of a role when it comes to taking care of people's health and lives and longevity. So I feel like the, the values what capitalism places value on is not human life, it's money, right? As opposed to where a more socialized um, version of healthcare would focus more on helping people, everyone receive adequate healthcare and live longer lives would be more of the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. I, that's kind of an interesting take on it because I feel like, like, like you said, capitalism, the big motivation for the market moving forward is money. But the way the system, I feel like it's set up, like the free market, is to incentivize um, other people's benefit in order to make more money. Does that kind of make sense? It basically puts, if you want to make more money, you need to think about other people. Because Mm -hmm. you think about how the generic economy works. I can sell a piece of bread for $10,000, but no one's going to buy it. They're going to go to the guy who sells it for $5,000. But... I want to make money, so I then think, oh, then I'll sell it for 1000 And it just goes down and down and down until it's a reasonable price that's across the board. And kind of full disclosure, we, we actually had this conversation in depth uh, earlier in the month a couple of weeks ago. But um, kind of what we talked about before was um, capitalism and basically the United States is a trial and error where – um, you first have to make the product and then uh, through the scientific process, you then whittle down costs on the process of making the drug. Um, and what government intervention does is it jumps in and sets the price really low. And so it de-incentivizes scientific innovation. So these companies are not really 
trying to lower costs on medicine because they have no incentive to do so. They just write, write it off to the government and they charge the government because that's what they can do, right? What, and so kind of the struggle is, is that if we leave privatized insurance to companies there, we run the risk of companies using the insurance and the medical system to take, um, to charge more. But with government getting involved, it kind of guarantees that insurance for people who have, um, to use a term from communism, the haves and the have-nots. It takes um, the money from the haves and gives it to the have-nots. And the line is kind of blurred who is the haves and who is the have-nots, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious, what is your thoughts on that? Um, I think that in theory, all of this sounds really good, right? Like the free market, getting the price down lower, but the way that it's playing out right now, I did a little bit of research beforehand and the, um, what is it called? Here it is. The committee of prepare, oh, the Ways and Means Committee. So the primary um, tax legislative committee in the house did a study in September of 2019 comparing drug prices, 79 drug prices in America with drug prices in 11 other countries in Europe. And on average, American drugs across the board were four times as expensive as other places in Europe that tend to have more socialized healthcare systems. And I'm not exactly sure why, but just that alone tells me that something's not working right. (laughs) That um, the the capitalistic way that we have our healthcare system set up now is not working for us as well as it's working for other people in other countries. Now, of course, there's tons of other factors, right? The U.S. has five times the population of the U.K., right? And we have different health challenges uh, that come along with culture and that sort of thing. But that being said, um, four times as expensive. Every drug, or on average, the drugs in the U.S. are four times as expensive as in other countries. And on top of that, the average money spent per person per year on healthcare is twice in a, that of other European countries. In America, it's twice that of European countries. Interesting. And I, I'm actually going to think about that study a little bit because, um, to be honest, I have... I have a little bit of a problem with a lot of those studies because when you think about it, why are the drugs cheaper in socialized countries? Well, it's because the government pays for them. And so if you don't look at the net cost of the drug and look at the actual how much does it cost to produce, I would say that they're pretty much the same. But the difference is with the socialized healthcare that reduces the price down through the taxes of the American people. And so if you look about the net spending on the drug, is it really that the drugs are less money or that it's paid by other people? Does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. And I'm not sure which, which um, number that study is quoting, whether it's the retail price or whether it's what comes out of the um, citizen's pocket. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and that, that's okay. That's, a lot of these studies are a little unclear because um, I, I was just talking to my dad the other day and he's... Um, he's big on economics. He studied economics in high and in college, and 
Yeah, he's a very smart guy. And he literally said, like, science works for the people that – no, well, he said it more like you can find anything to support your claim in science. And so it's a little hard and you don't want to throw away everything. Like, that is a really good point is that why are drugs cheaper in other countries than in America? Because personally, I used to live in Taiwan and they have a socialized health care system and drugs were cheap. I never paid more than like – I think the most I paid was 30 US dollars for a um, for the stomach flu for medicine for the stomach flu and that's I, I think that's pretty cheap um, but then you think about it is that how long did I wait I think the overall time that I spent in the hospital in Taiwan I think I spent like at least a day waiting for my turn to see a doctor uh-huh. and then you think about like I have a friend who actually um, had a tumor in his toe and it was benign and so it wasn't at risk to his health and but they were concerned so they removed it and in Taiwan and they did some um, medical practices that I would say are not advisable in the United States to where that he was actually sent home early from Taiwan he was he was forced to leave Taiwan to go to America to get the proper care. And he no longer has that toe. It was unsalvageable. And so I'm curious, is that will the socialized healthcare decrease the resources that we have um, in technology and medical advancement? I think it might decrease the level of care that the haves get. Um, I actually did some reading up on the UK's socialized healthcare system and ER wait times are longer and sometimes the quality of care isn't as good. There's a a tweet from President Trump um, a while ago where he said, um, Democrats are pushing for universal healthcare while thousands of people are marching in the UK because their system is broken. Um, Dems want to greatly raise taxes for really bad and non-personal healthcare. which has some valid points to it, right? People are marching for because they're a little dissatisfied with the healthcare there. And then um, Jeremy Hunt from the UK, he, I assume he's a political leader. Um, I get this from NPR, so. Um, he, he responded back, said, um, basically he said at least 28 million people in the uh, US don't even have coverage, so. Like our coverage may not work as well for the people who have money or coverage, but at least everyone's covered. Whereas in America, 28 million people don't have any coverage at all. And because of the way that our our system's set up, the drugs that we do have and the treatments that we have are so astronomically expensive that if you don't have insurance, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of a question of like, when do we ask other people to give up their health and their safety for another mm. that that's kind of what like to to simplify and kind of at risk of making your argument a straw man it's it's should we put other people's health at risk in favor of helping other people or should we have um should we find a system where that um the insurance is cheap enough that even the person who isn't covered is able to afford it while um, while the other person doesn't have to risk their health to um, 
support that. Does that kind of make sense? Like the yeah, yeah, that does make sense. That there are some trade-offs. But one interesting thing that I also read from this NPR article was that life expectancy in the UK is longer than in America. So there may be some like there's give and take. Neither neither system is perfect by far, but life expectancy is longer in the UK and their health system pulls higher like popularity wise than the queen like it's across all parties in the UK everyone loves their healthcare system um, they want more funding for it but everyone loves their healthcare system it pulls higher than the queen life expectancy is longer and every doctor's visit is free to you I'm I'm kind of I'm interested because a lot of countries do socialized healthcare differently, um, because a lot of countries just kind of um, I I mean we talked about this earlier. There's like um, the purely privatized insurance. There's the government regulated privatized insurance. There's the privatized insurance with government healthcare provided to those who can't afford it, and then there's purely government um, socialized healthcare. And so I'm kind of curious to know what England's method is, because right now the United States is a privatized insurance with um, health care to those who can't afford it. And that um, poses a lot of challenges because um, um, how, how should I put this? If a procedure costs X amount of money and the uh, office needs that money, um, or I should say like this. Let's say like a procedure costs like fifty dollars. Okay. And then, but with insurance, it's pretty much free, right? And so the insurance companies pays that money, but with government insurance that takes Medicaid, they actually foot the entire bill. Um, and so why charge fifty dollars when you can get a hundred, two hundred dollars from the government, mm-hmm. right? And so it kind of creates this greed where um these i i I don't want to overgeneralize and say this is like something that happens in every doctor's office but it does happen like where doctors will overcharge patients just because they get a check from the government oh this happened yesterday i heard a story of um one of my friends who worked at a doctor's office and there was an asthma form right just to like screen you if you had asthma and they would charge $30 to the insurance for it because the government would pay for it. Yeah. Just because. It's and just so, a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, and so there's big dangers in that because where does the government get its money? It gets it from us. And so when people say, oh, I want free health care, I always say, well, it ain't free. Other people are paying for your health care. And so you're kind of, it, it kind of, it just goes back. It's like when... Do when is it another's responsibility to pay for your, um, pay for your healthcare, pay pay for your health, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you can always say like there are a lot of I would say there are a lot of good people out in the world, and even many people, good people that run businesses, and so you will get insurance companies that will do the right thing and try and cover as many people as possible for the lowest price. Um, and then there are some bad apples that kind of throw in the um, kind of cause people to wonder is this system really worth it um, I think that, that that tendency 
that even when the government says we'll charge or we will pay this much, the tendency to say, okay, we're going to charge the government as much as we can stems from the fundamental ideals of capitalism to make money. And one thing I've been thinking about recently is if we can have more healthcare companies be more of a nonprofit type of model, right? So the motivation is less pure profits and more having a sustainable, um, like ethically sound business practice. And that doesn't mean that people who work there won't get paid, right? I worked at a nonprofit all through high school and I was just a minimum wage worker, but I had, I knew people that had their careers there and they did just fine for themselves. It's not about cutting their paychecks, right? It's about the business model in general, not, um, having their number one priority be making money, which is what I think leads to overcharging the government and um, hiking up drug prices and procedure prices. Mm -hmm. Well, see, that that's kind of where a lot of people get hesitant is because if you transform healthcare services into more of a nonprofit, then who's going to be paying the doctors? And I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked into becoming a doctor, but it sucks. Like <laughs> the doctors have to go through so much training and for good reason, because they have other people's lives in their hands and doctors, when they become doctors, I think, well, obviously we, we've talked about this in our uh, leadership class where each profession has their own code of ethics. And um, when I was writing a paper on these code of ethics, I actually looked at the doctor's code of ethics and it always states that the, the life of a patient is top priority. And so I would, I would be hesitant to say the primary, um, the primary reason for health care services charging more um, is because they want money. I would say is in order to provide greater service to more people, they need to expand their resources. And so they need those resources, primarily money, in order to get top tier MRI, X-ray, um, cancer treatments, and be able to fund more ways to help people and care for people. Like for example, I, I used to live by Hogue Hospital in Southern California. And it used to be a high rise. I think it was like 12, 13 stories. And the services inside the hospital when I, when I first lived there were grand and they were um, great, but they were limited. It was a pretty small, I, I would say small hospital. But then through the, um, through the endeavors of scientific research and um, through the um, basically the money that was brought in from the hospital, they were able to expand their emergency services across the block to where it's no longer this one high rise. It's actually a high rise and an, an entire city block of just emergency services. And so, I mean, you can imagine that ex expanding the hospital not only provides care to so many more people, but it actually allows people to receive care when otherwise it's unknown right like when i when i broke my arm i went to whole hospital they put me in a cast but then they would ship me down to newport beach to get the proper treatment and surgery but then that clinic in newport beach then expanded into hoke hospital to where i no longer had to travel 20 30 minutes to get to the nearby city i could just go across the street and so i wonder if 
if we kind of overgeneralize that doctors and capitalism is just to make money, when in reality, they make more money by providing more services, right? Does that kind of make sense where... Yeah, I think that makes sense. And as we're talking, I think I'm coming to a more clear um, vision of what I'm thinking. And it's less mm-hmm. the doctors and hospitals themselves and more the companies that provide them with machines and drugs and that sort of thing. Because if mm-hmm. the doctors and hospitals, and I'm not saying we should cut doctors' paychecks. I know they go to yeah. law school and have big debts and all that good stuff. Yeah. My problem is more with the companies behind the scenes, right? Making the MRI mm-hmm. machines, making the drugs that are overcharging the hospitals and doctors so they can make money. Whereas if, mm-hmm. they, if we found a way to decrease that price, then doctors and hospitals could charge less and still make the same amount of profits to expand and give people better services. Mm-hmm. So that would fall under our category, right? Because you're studying engineering as well, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so because, like, like I said, um, science is a trial and error. Like, you can't just make a perfect machine that works wonderfully. Like, um, what's his name? Uh Russell M. Nelson, he created the open heart uh, machine. Um, I'm sure when he first made it, it was a very expensive project. But through the years, it's progressed into um, progressed into what it is today, where um, heart surgery is, although risky, it is usually successful. And so you think about that, and you think about how science needs um, the proper innovation. I, I don't know if you've ever looked into the schematics of an MRI or an x-ray machine, but there are a lot of small, delicate parts. And while the small, delicate parts are being manufactured, like that's what is the most expensive part of the machine. Mm-hmm. And it even but, is a lot to run them. Mm-hmm. That being said, I feel like there's a gap between the innovation and the progress and the price. I am mm-hmm. not doubting at all that making and selling these machines or doing the research is expensive. Research is inherently mm-hmm. expensive. But I feel like yeah. as, as the innovation gets better and prices should be going down, they're not going down as much as they should in the interest of profits. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I mean... And that trickles over argument. to the hospitals and to us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it kind of comes back to when is one one system better than another is is when you can properly say um this person's um i would say this person's wealth is no longer deserved because they've made more than another person and so like what's kind of going through my head is that as scientific innovation um reaches like okay i should start over and restate what i'm saying is that as scientific innovation moves forward as these machines get cheaper they then realize with what they have in their new technology that they can expand and create even more new technology like you think about the space program right is that um it received funding it got a lot of money from the government it can be argued that it it received more money than it should but then you think about all of the technology that has come from nasa and then put into modern day cars computers um, like I would say that the space program has provided more to scientific innovation than any other industry, because as we learn how to 
let's say, cut the weight of a machine, basically what I'm saying is as you put pressure and as you give um, money to a company to make a device better, they will do it. Like you, I don't know. It's kind of like a mixture of thoughts. Like there's a reason why the space... um, the space program created such high-end computers is because they needed them to fit inside the rockets. And because of that innovation, we now have progressed to putting computers in our hands. And I'm kind of wondering is that if we continue to let these companies use these resources, these, the, this money, in order to innovate further into the field of technology, what will they create? And if we take away that money, what will we miss out on, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm I always I'm I'm a big proponent for capitalism on the basis that it increases scientific innovation. It it funds the research, it funds the production, and it even, um, in many cases, provides the means of reaching a des- of the destination we desire, and so. If we take away those resources and we take away their money through taxes and through Medicare and regulation, what are they left with? They're left with minimal resources, less than they, less than they need, and in essence, they don't, they can't pr- um, pursue the scientific innovation they want and maybe even need. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think it's a fine. I'm, I'm an engineering major, right? Like. Progress mm-hmm. and innovation is what I plan on doing for my career, but I think mm-hmm. it's a delicate balance between how far do we, how far do we go in the pursuit of innovation and to what cost. Um, mm-hmm. Like, we can put more money into the companies that are doing innovation, right? That are innovating and making things better mm-hmm. at the cost of. 28 million people who can't afford health care. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, is it they or, can't afford health care or they don't want health care? Uh, because... Maybe that's a different <laughs> discussion. Yeah, because, I mean, we, talk, I mean, we talked about this earlier, is that um, but, the reason why car insurance is um, the way it is is because it's required. And so if we require people to get health care... Um, like it, mm-hmm. insurance is basically if this happens, then I will um, be covered. But many people are like, I don't have a, any risk or anything like that, so they decide not to, not to buy healthcare, and then it bites them in the butt later on because companies are, um, businesses are charging the government the money, but when the government won't pay, then who pays? The person. <laughs> so yeah, that, that you're right. Mm-hmm. That is a different discussion. But I, I kind of want to, uh, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> oh, no, no worries, no worries. Um, what I was going with that is that I think it's kind of a fine balance, right? Um, if the purpose of a healthcare system or of a country, a way of running things in general, is to make the population the most happy, to, to have us be the happiest, healthiest we can be, um, I think we need to balance making sure healthcare is affordable and available to everyone with innovation. Not saying that well, we can't have one, or not saying that one's important and the other's not. They both are. 
but I think we need to balance the costs of focusing so everyone gets healthcare, but maybe innovation isn't as much, or we focus on innovation and you have 28 million people who aren't covered, or if you don't have insurance, there's no way on earth you can pay for a medical procedure. So we've talked about this a little bit before, but I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah, like that that's where it always is, right? Like Yeah, um, absolutely. Like the main I think what kind of sparked the discussion of um Obamacare, just like from my own personal experience looking into it, is um some insurance companies had a specific job inside the corporation to find anything that they can in order to deny that person health insurance. Health insurance. So like, for example, let's say I, I mean, you know, I've broken my bones left and right. And, um, and so if I'm trying to find health insurance and then later down the road, I find out I have cancer or something like that. Um, this, this insurance company will go, or I, I would say this specific role in this insurance company would go and try and nitpick at the pre-existing, the air quotes, pre-existing conditions in order to not cover their or my cancer treatments and as people saw that they're like well that's just wrong like if i have a pre-existing condition then it's it's pretty much i can't be covered if something worse happens and that's kind of what sparked the discussion but then again and it's, from my perspective oh. go ahead sorry to interrupt, but for, from my perspective, I see mm -hmm. that and I think it's a fault of capitalism. They don't want to pay for your health care because it's money out mm -hmm. of their company's pocket. Yeah, I would say it's not so much a fault of capitalism as it is a fault of greed. Um, because if capitalism works properly, I mean, with any system, if capitalism, if socialism, if communism works properly, the needs of the people are met while moving society forward. But the problem is, is that we don't live in an ideal world. And so I'm kind of wondering is that, do we give that um, healthcare system to the government who in all honesty does not run things very well, or do we leave it in the hands of qualified businessmen who insurance, they know insurance and they their passion, or well, I wouldn't say their passion is insurance because whose passion is insurance? Um, but kind of, do we let people who understand the system make it work best for both people and try their best to do so? Or should we leave it to the government who would not run it as efficiently? That's kind of where, like, that's where a lot of people's concern lies is that do we... Do we trust it with the government or do we just trust it with other people? Which one do we trust more? Because either way, like... I think that's a great question. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question because I trust the people who are in the industry to be better mm -hmm. at the industry, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily trust them to do what's in my best interest. Whereas with the mm -hmm. government, I have more direct... Um, control over what happens. I can vote for people that do what I want them to do. I can vote for people mm -hmm. that I believe have my best interests at heart. Whereas I don't mm -hmm. vote for the people who control companies. I don't know mm -hmm. if I trust them to work in my best interest. I trust them to 
make effective drugs and to run the healthcare system in a way that I can get care. But mm -hmm. I want that verification, that control from the government as well, where I'm confident my best interests are at play. Mm -hmm. So kind of what it sounds like from what you just said is that you don't want socialized healthcare. You want government regulated private industry healthcare. Because what? socialized healthcare, mm. because socialized healthcare is run by the government. The government appoints officials in capacity to make decisions regarding the healthcare of individuals, and that's where a lot of people are like, "Hold up! If I vote someone in power and then they appoint someone else, kind of, well, I mean, the Supreme Court justices, if someone else I dislike nominates someone to be in that position of power." Who's going to like, I'm going to be taking the fall for someone else's mistake. And I mean, the same argument can be made in companies is that I feel like we have more like the company, um, I wouldn't say elects, they chooses their leader and their policy um, decision makers. But the difference is, is that I have direct control on which insurance to go to because if I don't like a company or the way it's run or how they treat their individuals, I'll just go over to Geico or State Farm. Mm -hmm. Like if I if I dislike Allstate, which I don't, my I shouldn't say that I dislike Allstate. If I dislike a certain insurance company and I just choose a different one. And that's why capitalism actually works for the people better than the government because if a system doesn't work for us, we just choose a different one. Meanwhile, if it's government healthcare, then if we don't like how it's run, then we literally have to wait around for another election cycle. And so that's kind of where it, the balance is kind of troubling for many is that mm -hmm. should it be run by the government or just regulated by the government? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think as you get close to a lot of regulation, it gets close to being run by the government. That's where the lines between. Yeah like socialism versus regulated privatized healthcare are get kind of blurry. Mm -hmm. And where I stand is I think I'm closer to that line, right? Mm -hmm. I said earlier that I think socialized healthcare would be a good thing, but what I think I meant was as we're talking and I'm coming to a more clear idea of what I think and what I want is um, mm -hmm. a, right along that line between completely socialized healthcare versus regulation right i think i want yeah. more regulation to the point where now it might seem like socialized health care right yeah but in reality it's not the government running health care completely with no like people of experience mm -hmm. in the field right does that does that yeah. come across yeah that that like as i'm talking like I, I i'm learning about your point of view and and so like i i would agree that government does need to regulate in some instances how insurance companies are run and i mean our the amount of how much regulation is required may differ from me to you but i mean mm -hmm. i i feel like a lot of people can trust the um the insurance company to act in their best interest which is the people's interest and so um and so I, I kind of wonder if we know what we really want in this socialized healthcare, mm -hmm. because I mean, we see these positions of like, like I said, the insurance um, trying to find a pre-existing condition. 
I mean, the government can have a say in that and say, whoa, that is way unethical because you're literally just trying to nitpick. And uh, because my, my personal view of the government is that it should be as secluded from our, or I shouldn't say secluded. It should be as uninvolved in our lives as possible and should only intervene when the rights of an individual are um, infringed. Because that, that's kind of how I read and interpret the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, is that the government doesn't need to be involved in everyone's lives. They just need to kind of make sure that everyone is taken care of. And we need to be educated in order to elect the people that we believe will do the best job. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's, that's kind of where I stand on it, is where like the government should basically just make sure that its citizens are taken care of and, instead of providing... Mm-hmm the service, right? Okay. I, I agree with that statement that the government should, um, the purpose of the government would should be to make sure its citizens are taken care of. And mm-hmm. I think maybe where we differ a little bit is where we see or where we draw the line on that fairness, right? How much yeah. they should get taken care of. Whereas, because um, at what point do you say that like this amount of unfairness is okay? Mm-hmm. Right. Or this amount of rights being infringed on is okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we have rights being infringed on and the only way to make that go away completely is to have someone control it. Now that being said, I don't want big brother looking yeah. over my shoulder <laughs> for everything I do. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that government should take a larger role in ensuring fairness within the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Cause it comes down to the fact that I don't particularly trust companies to mm-hmm. act in my best interest, even though ideally capitalism would work the, that way, right? Like mm-hmm. I could tell them with my money to do what is good for me. Yeah. In reality, it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Well, how is it not happening? Because a lot of people like me personally, I feel like, um, my health insurance works. I feel like my car insurance works. And um, and I'm involved in this. Like I, while I'm not like on the board of, um, of like the, I'm not a part of the organization of the company. I read up on the insurance and how it treats its customers. I use personal experience. And because it, it kind of goes back to my question earlier is like, are these two, was it 200 million people or 2 million people? 28 million. Are these 28 million people who aren't covered by insurance doing so out of choice or are they doing it because they can't afford it? Because I would say that a lot of those people may be choosing not to have insurance. So a lot of those people may be unable to have insurance, but until we find out more about their intentions of health insurance, then I feel like we shouldn't I feel like we shouldn't get involved with that because if people are choosing not to have insurance because they're paying too much, then we gotta look at why is it expensive? It's because of the government. <laughs> because the government instituted a faulty system, Obamacare, that worked for a lot of people, but actually drove up the price of health insurance for everyone else. And so 
now we get these people who are like, wait, but I don't want to pay this $1,000 a month insurance because it's way too expensive. And then they're like, oh, wait, but if I can petition the government to give me free health insurance, then, then that's better. And so it's kind of this, we dug ourselves in a hole that kind of bit us in the butt where it raised the cost of everything, but everyone's looking at the insurance companies and blaming them when in reality, they're not fully to blame. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And I don't think either side is fully to blame, right? Like Mm -hmm. as we've been talking, we've been talking a lot about how the government jumping in hikes up prices or how chasing Mm -hmm. profits hikes up prices. And I think that it comes back again to a balance of what, how, how much we should let the government get involved or how much we should Mm -hmm. let companies run free. And maybe the, maybe we have to give up some um, economic benefits for everyone Mm -hmm. to get adequate coverage. Yeah. Right. But on the flip side, like you said, it's not good if it's to the point where it's so expensive that people can't pay for it. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a fine line somewhere in the middle and we haven't found it yet. Exactly. And like I said, it's trial and error. But the problem is, is that we're going back and forth so rapidly that it kind of is destroying the system. And because I I'm reading the news about um, how a lot of people want free health care and they want free college. And I'm kind of sitting there. I'm like, if we get this stuff for free. It's not free for us. (laughs) Like someone's footing the bill. And do you want companies who pay your paychecks to foot the bill or do you want to? And usually people are like, oh, the companies should foot the bill. And then you're like, but they pay your paycheck. They'll just take it out of your paycheck and then you'll be paying it for it eventually. Is that if we – and so that's – I mean that's why there are two political parties, right? Is that we have differing opinions even though we want the same thing. And I feel like us talking about it, we can come to a pretty reasonable compromise. But our government is not run by two people. It's run by a legislative branch with, what, 650 plus people? And then an executive branch, which is made up of just as many people. And then a judiciary branch, which is is so expansive. And so I wonder if people really understand what they want. And if they understand where it's going to come from, because it, it, I don't think it's going to come from the president personally. The president changes every four years and doesn't yeah. have that much say in everything. Right. Yeah. But I, this is maybe a little bit of a different topic for another time, but mm-hmm. we two reasonable guys having a good natured conversation mm-hmm. about economic and social issues can come to a reasonable conclusion and respect each other mutually. Whereas right yeah. now our government <laughs> is not being run like that. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. And I mean, I've told you this, this is why I run the podcast. It, I, literally every episode ends in this little rant is that this is why I run the podcast is because we are not, um, the government's not being run the way we want it to. And because we're so polarized in our opinions that we can't drop our own pride and be humble and talk to other people about it. Yeah, our um, opinions are very different, but I, you're my friend and we can talk to each other civilly and intellectually mm-hmm. and talk about these issues and come to mm-hmm. conclusions. 
that our government is not doing. Yeah. And see, that just proves my argument why I don't trust the <laughs> government to run healthcare properly. <laughs> <laughs> that's solid. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't want to leave with the last word being that, but do you have any final thoughts? I know, I know you have to get going pretty soon, so or you should be gone by now. <laughs> nah, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think that today it was really good for me to talk to you and be able to think mm-hmm. through some of my own ideas, right? Yeah. And talking to you, I think I became more moderate in my views, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. you have good points. And there are things that I still think are right about my ideas, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like talking to you today brought us closer to a solution. Yeah. And I feel that talking with someone who has opposing views to my own was both uplifting and educational. And mm-hmm. from here on out, I feel like we can both from this move forward with more understanding as voters and we can participate in society, understanding each other better. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I really like how you summarized it. Honestly, thank you, Charlie. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking about this. It's been really insightful. yeah it has thank you so much for letting me come on today thanks for listening to another episode of the other side of the table feel free to leave a comment a review and by all means if you are interested in ever talking about any of the current issues Reach out to me at other side of the table PC at gmail.com and we'll be happy to find a time to meet and invite your friends. Mm-hmm.